Welcome to the Coffee Chat Podcast. This week's guest is Nadia Townsend. I trained with Nadia when I lived in Sydney and I'm always so inspired by her work. I'm so glad she said yes to being on the podcast. Nadia is an Australian actress, dramaturg, coach, director, and producer with over 20 years of experience. In this episode, we chat about her time studying practical aesthetics in New York, her work as a dramaturg, what she finds interesting to watch in actors, and some fun rapid fire questions. So grab a coffee and enjoy. Welcome to the Coffee Chat Podcast. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks for coming on. Um, I am really excited to chat to you uh, because the other day, actually really randomly, I found clips from when I did class with you like two years mm-hmm. ago. And it was pretty exciting because I was like, wow, a lot has changed in the way it's I in. act. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's just start for everyone listening, I guess, just giving us a brief rundown of how you started. Um, I left school and kind of went into production. <laughs> and then I was working with a horrible person. Um, and I realized it's that if I'd probably gone into a better company, I might have stayed in um, production because I liked uh, producing, mm-hmm. but um, uh, but but they it was a really toxic culture. Um, so I and I thought I didn't want to be like any of those people. So I left, and then practical aesthetics was really big at the time in Sydney. So there were a bunch of Australian girls who had um, Australian women who had gone to New York and studied at Atlantic. And then they had brought one of the major main teachers from Atlantic out to Australia. And um, I met Robert Bella, who was one of the main teachers. And um, just the philosophy blew my mind. Mm -hmm. So then I ended up going over to Atlantic in um, New York and studying there for the summer school. And it was um, me and a mate of mine, Rose, and um, another uh, a Greek Australian girl, Larissa Poulos, and then um, we were all in like a little dorm, three beds in a dorm in New York, and went to school every day, and it was just the best thing in the world. Um, yeah. I just loved the school there. I loved the philosophy. They did Suzuki, um, obviously practical aesthetics, which is a very particular methodology, which is super super practical, um, uh, and. Some people are into it, some people aren't, but that year there were a lot of Australians there and um, uh, we had all read True and False and so that Mm -hmm. was really big at the time. So we'd all read that book and because of that book we, and also meeting Robert Bella in Australia and then um, we'd all travelled out to find out more about it and around that time sort of the late 90s we um it was just it was huge practical aesthetics was like this phenomenon kind of yeah um anyway in my in my little sphere of existence it was a phenomenon everyone was going crazy for it and then and and the school there was awesome because you I'd never done anything like that where you um where you just get to train for you know, hours and hours and hours. And it's such a solid um, uh, methodology. And so the, the, everything from the voice to the body work, like the Suzuki stuff, 
to the scene study class, everything was the same concept, just in different forms. Yeah. Anyway, and so that place was really um, uh, big on putting on your own theatre. So when we came back to Australia, me and um, Larissa set up a theatre company called Wolf Whistle oh, with wow. another Australian who was there, Michael Booth, who's a director. Oh, and yeah, yeah. I've, yeah. Yeah, so Michael Booth. Um, uh, yeah, there were a lot of Aussies in that class. I can't even remember who. Damien Walsh Howling. Um, Rose Byrne was my, um, uh, who I went to school with. She was in yeah. my dorm with me. Um, she was off on other uh, bigger things. And then, um, there, but everyone that came back kind of set up theatre companies and put on shows. And oh, wow. Um, I had my own coaches. So I came back and just kept training and doing that. So that was kind of the beginning of it. Yeah. No, I, I love that. <laughs> and no, I, I think that's great because I was even going to even ask you about, because obviously I've like read your bio and like looked into what's out there. Um, but yeah, studying in New York is, how long were you there for studying? Was it like- Oh, not long, not long at all. Like it, yeah. this, it was just a summer school. Oh, but nice. um, I was so, which is a big thing in the States, um, you, you finish uni and you go and do a summer school, yeah. <laughs> which is not so big in Australia. But it's, um, yeah, it's such a um, refreshing thing to do, to do a six-week intensive uh, yeah. in, in a, just in a practice that you're interested in. It's yeah. such a great thing. We don't really have that here so much. No. We don't have... In Australia, we don't have access to. It's better now. There's a lot of schools that have started bringing over, um, you know, US and European uh, masters of particular techniques. But it's not a usual thing in Australia, and that we don't have summer schools. No, so no. you have to go overseas to do it. Plus, you came back from New York, and then I guess kind of hit the ground running here in terms of. You know, booking work and all that, etc. No, no, okay, absolutely but. not. No, 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 no. Just um, came back and and uh, put on the shows. Yeah. So put on independent productions. So it was yeah. um, really just that slog of going to whatever resource you've got access to in Australia. It was um, uh, the NIDA Library, which is mm-hmm. a um, you know our national dramatic school. But most of those schools, if they're funded you can get in there and use the libraries for free so I just go in there like (laughs) it's not glamorous I just ride my bike there can't afford any other transport and then um sit in there all day and read read their books and try to find a play that I wanted to put on but the interesting thing about that it's um is that you have to start asking really difficult questions like what kind of work do I want to make because if you're not getting hired for stuff um then you're responsible for this the story that you're putting on stage so then you have to ask really hard questions like why 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 would you even why as opposed to um yeah I'll do it because someone asked me to booking jobs is a luxury Mm, that not everyone not everyone has the good fortune of um, getting and the the sort of other stuff is all about um, 
finding out unless you go and train at a school for three years which is would is such a beautiful thing to do but I never got a chance to do it I didn't do it I kind of did my own study and mm. found coaches and traveled overseas to study with people that I thought were interesting but if you um so if you're doing something like that then you have to be way more proactive about your education and figuring out what you're doing and how to do it and how to deal with your body and your voice and um, what is it to ingest text and yeah. interpret it and and present it and the biggest thing for me was the first night um, in the theatre when we had uh, a whole theatre full of people I didn't know so for the first however many nights it was all people I knew who were coming yeah. to see my first show and then suddenly I had people, a whole theatre of no one I knew. And I went, oh, fuck, everyone's paid. I think back then it was like, I think we charged 15 bucks a ticket or oh something. Oh, my God. But, but, but I went, but that's, people are paying their money that they've worked for to see this. And that's a huge responsibility. And they're sitting yeah. down for whatever it was, an hour and a half. and um, and because I was, you know, using the, the, the play and the whole process to learn, I, I was playing the lead. And so it's a huge responsibility to be um, carrying that. And I think that that's a really important part of your own education is taking responsibility for whatever it is that you're asking people to give attention to. Yeah. Because... I think often as an actor, people um, don't have, no one, you don't have to take that responsibility. You can go, oh, well, it's the director. It's not my show. I didn't write it. You know, I, I'm getting paid or I'm whatever they asked me to be in it. So you don't have to take responsibility for it. So there's something, there's, it's a hard slog and there's yeah. not a lot of glamour. But I, for me, some of the most beautiful moments of that time were, you know, after I'd painted a theatre and I had the keys to the theatre um, and, you know, sitting there with a, you know, back then I was drinking, so I'd, you know, crack a long neck and some chips and just sit in the theatre yeah. and just go, I did this. I've, yeah. I've, I've got the rights. I've, I've rehearsed the show. I've painted the theatre. You know, I did it with a lot of other people, but that feeling of accomplishment and going and we've worked our asses off to get ready for opening night and yeah. it's all our own money and it's all our own work and we've chosen the play and we got the space and you know and back then it was really fun because at the end of the night you just got given the cash and I'd have to take all the cash from the box office put it in my backpack and either walk through King's Cross yeah. or ride my bike through King's Cross and some I think at one point I was riding from King's Cross to Maroubra, which is like a, Oh my God. What is that? Like a 15 K ride or something like that. Yeah. With all this cash in my bag. And then you'd kind of keep the cash in your apartment and then you'd sort of divvy the cash up at the end and everyone gets a bit of the cash. Like now everything's on the books. So it's not as fun, but, um, you know, it's look, it, it, it's a really fun part of the process. Yeah. So, you know, I think for anyone who's starting out, um, 
you know, if I could go back in time, uh, I would go, you're, you're in it for the long game Mm. and, um, enjoy those moments of learning and enjoy those moments of community because at the end of the day, you, you know, you do get 15 now and like 20 years down the track from that and you step into, you know, some bullshit thing like a, I don't know, like a... <laughs> I know what you, you mean, know, yeah. Uh, whatever it is, like some, yeah. um, you know, some opening night, which is, when I say bullshit thing, I mean there's there's all this stuff around it mm. that that is the the glamorous in exclamation marks stuff but it doesn't mean anything because you step into those rooms and there's people that have been you've known along the way for 20 years and it's it's that that is uh the most important thing it's the community and it that's the that's the thing that more than anything that I crave is that sense of community. So whenever one of those shows would finish, you'd get this intense sense of um, post-show blues. And it was always this thing that you had, you had kind of gone through this experience where everyone had become so tightly knit. Yeah. And then it ends and everyone goes their separate ways. And it's, um, uh, it's almost like an affair. Like you can't, the intensity of that relationship can't exist outside of that project. Yeah. It's like the project holds that intensity of communication and exploration and, and the nerves and everything's on the line. And that's kind of amazing. Um, And I think, uh, you know, that everyone aspires to the big gigs and I'm sure, you know, Big gigs are amazing, mm. um, uh, but there's it's it's a long time between drinks for most people. So um, you've got to find, I guess, you've got to find a way to nourish yourself. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, if I could go back in time, I would have enjoyed that stuff a little bit yeah. more and just gone, just kept with it a little bit more. Yeah, because you can get so knotted up about um, getting a gig, but there's so few yeah. gigs for oh. so many actors. Yeah, um, and I think that's it's it's a brutal path. Oh, it's not you know? it's not glamorous. It's not easy. Um, <laughs> yeah. So for me, when I actually started taking your class, I found really refreshing. Um, was that it was always about asking the question and digging deeper and getting into your body. And it was just all about the craft. And I always remember leaving your classes so inspired because every lesson I was always like, oh, wow. Like, yeah, I have, I have so much to learn. And then even when I did get at one class and I was just like, so I was like, yeah, this is it. And then I would still leave and go, oh, nope. Or come in the next class and be like, okay, yeah, like I've just taken another step back. Like, you know, got a bit too cocky about it. So, yeah, I love that about you and, yeah, just how passionate you are about the craft and talking about it and teaching it because you're phenomenal. Yeah. Oh, thanks, mate. That's really nice. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I guess um, that the the teaching for me is Mm. part of my practice. So Mm. um, I'm just trying to, when we're all working together, 
trying to find a way to um, uh, articulate the things that I'm that I've either I think I've got a grip on, mm-hmm. um, and then trying them out and trying them out in in a lot of different modes, um, and uh, sometimes it doesn't work. It really doesn't work, and that's. Um, usually where then I have to shift it a lot mm-hmm. and I, and I, um, yeah, so I think that the, that those classes are always about, I'm still trying to figure out what I'm, I'm still trying to figure out how to work. Yeah. yeah. So maybe that's the, the questions I'm asking myself are the questions <laughs> I'm making you guys ask yourselves and maybe those questions resonate with yeah, you. I, just, yeah, I just have a lot of respect for the way you work and the way you look at the process and the craft of acting. It's just, it blows my mind every time. So I guess for me, my next question would be, what, what do you find interesting to watch in actors? Really smart take on a scene. <laughs> like when someone, when someone navigates a scene in a really smart way Mm -hmm. so this is like a really kind of obtuse example but you know two blokes in a confrontational scene where they're up in each other's faces and they're about an inch their noses are an inch apart and they're they're talking to each other and they're acting real tough is really not to me that's not a very it's not a very savvy take on a scene it's not a it's not a um exciting navigation of Mm -hmm. a scene but then if you've got two guys in a confrontational scene where the actors are dealing with each other in a way that makes me feel terrified because i don't know what's going to happen next and that that is would be like a, a to me an exciting take on a scene mm-hmm. something where um yeah because there's a lot of really smart actors out there and whether or not they they're able to articulate their process mm-hmm. some actors are really really good instinctually but can't teach for shit because they can't articulate their process and they can't facilitate um someone else through a process Mm -hmm. that's going to um help them get better and when i say better i don't mean i just mean help them to get out of their own way or help them to fall into a space that better serves the scene or um but they're really really instinctually smart and do beautiful work Mm -hmm. and then there's some actors that are really um you know, work their ass off to figure out how to um, deal with the scene. But I think it's good script and like whether whether you're calling it that or not, it's like savvy script analysis. And I think that's the difference between that two percent that get a callback in the audition space and the rest that are just um, who gives a shit. Because most people, I think, will come in doing the same thing. Mm. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I, I think that's what I, I like watching. 
Um, I do want to touch base because so you okay? I feel like I'm gonna get this dramaturgy. No, is that how you say it? Dramaturgy or dramaturgy soft G. And then if you say you are a dramaturg, it's a hard G or dramaturge. What would you like to call it? Um, uh, I say dramaturg. Dramaturg. Okay. Yeah, dramaturg. Yeah, drama. Um, yeah. What is it? Yeah. Just for um, everyone. Uh, it is, so I work as a um, dramaturg in film um, and uh, basically th traditionally it's more of a theatrical literary role, really. Um, someone will debate me on that, but it's, it comes from the theatre and it's, in a way, it's the art of dramatic composition and, mm -hmm. and uh, I think think a dramaturg in the theatre would work more with the director and the text and the um, making sure that what the director is wanting to happen is happening and that it's all in alignment with what needs to happen is mm -hmm. a really lame way of explaining it. Um, and then in film, I kind of work with the dramatic composition through the rehearsal process. So in film and television, often there's not the time for the director, television particularly, there isn't the time for the director to work with an ensemble. So even if they're setting up a television show, they might be spending the entirety of pre in um, on location recce's and all the other millions of meetings they have to do. Mm -hmm. So they don't have the time to do the hard lug of getting the ensemble kind of ready so I'd do that. Oh, wow. so, I'd, so I would have a conversation with the director, maybe the producers, and then find out what they're trying to get from the script, um, what they want to happen in particular scenes, and then I would try to run a rehearsal to make, to I suppose, get everyone ready so that we're as close to being on the same page as possible so yeah. that when everyone steps on set, they, they can kind of, um, they're not warming up with the first 10 takes. Mm -hmm. They're kind of ready to go. So that, that's it. So basically m more working with relationships or mm -hmm. the engines of the characters, what's driving them, um, and trying to get a modality happening in the work that is... Uh, I suppose I'm always working for a particular authenticity. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes, yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting. I, I got that, um, my mentor is Nico Lothoris and he's a dramaturg. So, and he worked on, he's a, um, an, an, an older man than me and um, it's been my mate for 20 something years since I met him on my first TV show. He yeah. was the dramaturg on that. So he did Heartbreak High and Wild Side and oh. a lot of Australian shows where the rehearsal room and the philosophy of the rehearsal room was the philosophy of the show. Mm -hmm. um, and he, it, it changed everything. It changed the way that people filmed. It changed the way that they captured sound. So they went from, you know, two cameras simultaneously to four cameras simultaneously 
people were allowed to overlap, they were encouraged to overlap, there was a bit of improvisation within the scenes. Um, and it just meant everyone had to work differently. And it also meant that everyone was on. So the whole crew were on. Okay. It wasn't just like the crew were separate from the actors. It was one organism. And I think, I mean, I've, I don't think I've ever achieved anything close to what he has. Um, and I've found my feet, you know, over the last 10 years, I've really been finding my feet and often... You know, often I, I totally uh, get it wrong. I really do. I get it wrong. I'm either I want something that the production doesn't want or mm -hmm. um, the process that I thought would work doesn't. Um, and that's embarrassing. <laughs> that's really embarrassing. It's shit house. But there's, <laughs> yeah. no, there's no standard because there's not a lot of us who do it. There's a lot of people who yeah. coach. But I think I want to do what Nico did. Um, yeah. which is I want to be a part of a culture that is um, in, in total unison, in total collaboration. And there was one, and, and to have that on film or, mm. and to have that in the world, in television is, um, yeah. is interesting. So because it's such, a, it's such a beast and there's so many um, sort of silos of work going on, there's always this question of how do we, how do we all um, kind of move as one? Yeah. Anyway, that's, that's the utopia. But there was this great project I worked on um, at the end of last year, which hasn't come out yet, called Lunacy. And okay. it's Daniel Askell who directed the SIA film clip. Anyway, yeah. but um, Chandelier. And so he's a very visual director. And the project was... Um, uh, it was sort of nine paragraphs that were had to be translated into ten minute uh, vignettes that weren't yeah. written. So we had to design the improvisations that would be those vignettes based on the paragraphs that would make the film. And we're oh, all up in um, Cape Tribulation, up in this um, intense old old forest. So it was an incredible location. Nico worked on the story in pre and everyone was freaking out uh, except the director. And I thought, and a lot of, you know, a lot of, I've heard a lot of directors go, oh, I want it. Yeah, yeah, we'll work in this. And, and they, they, they want to do it. But then when it comes to filming, when it comes yeah. to the, the, the pressure, people saying, you know, putting the pressure on them, they, they freak and they shut it down. And, but he held his medal and he did a beautiful job of um, kind of captaining this ship through this terrain where no one knew what it was going to be. Wow. And, no one, and we had a plan and we had a process and everyone was on board. But because we didn't have a script, we weren't mm -hmm. dealing with the same problems that when you're dealing with a script, which is, okay, so we've got this script and because it's words on a page, everyone suddenly thinks that everyone knows what everyone's talking about. But yeah. a script is just a document. It's not, it's, it, it, and, and there's so much to kind of, uh, it, it doesn't, it, just because it's a document and it's written and it's been funded, it doesn't mean that everyone gets what's happening. 
Yeah, so, for sure. Yeah. So you have to, so usually when you get into the rehearsal room, you sort of have to unpick a lot of, hang on, what are you talking about when you're talking about that thing? Because mm. I think what, so a lot of what I do in the rehearsal room is I don't go, I'm going to direct this scene on behalf of the director. I, I just try to facilitate a clarity of what everyone's talking about. Yeah. So, okay, so when you're saying that and he's saying that, is this what we're doing? Yeah. Okay, so let's put that thing into practice and see if when we're doing that, that's what we think it's doing. Yeah. <laughs> that's the sort of process when you're unpacking a script. But with this one, we just, uh, we didn't have to do all that. We just had tasks and the actors had to do these tasks. And um, I love that. Uh, it was pretty amazing. Yeah. But, but, but we were also in really safe hands because he's such a, the way that he directs, um, it, it's every image is like a piece of music. Yeah. It's sort of, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, there you go. Um, <laughs> no, I, I love that's that. dramaturgy. Yeah. And, and then some, yeah. So that's sort of what, I do. I, I, it's, it's great when it's great and it's horrible when it's horrible. It's the, like when it works, it's, um, it's really great. Yeah. It's, it's a very satisfying experience. But when it's not working and I can't figure out how to make it work, um, uh, it's, it, it's, it's like being quartered. It's horrible. Oh God! It's like, what a visual! It's, it's it's really fucking horrible for everyone involved. Yeah. But um, when it works, it's really great. Do you find you're getting asked yeah. to do that more often now? Like, is it becoming? Yeah, that's yeah. been my bread for a while. Yeah. But I'm in no no stretch a master at all. Like, there's there's people yeah. out there like Joan Sheckle. She's yeah. incredible. Um. And Nico's master. We're very. It's um, though we've we've kind of um, gone slightly different routes in the last years. Where I've my work's become way more physical, and his mm-hmm. has become way more intellectual. Oh, though wow. the principles remain the same. Yeah. So he'll sit and talk for three weeks, and I don't want to talk at all. I just want everyone up on the floor. Yeah. Um, so. You know, but he's older and he has a lot more patience. He has a lot less to prove. Um, so I aspire to that. Yeah. In many, many ways. Um, and there's another really great dramaturg, which probably um, no one's ever heard of, but her name's Fatima Toledo. And yeah. she, I think she calls herself a coach, but she's the woman behind um, City of God. I don't know if you've seen that film. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that wow. sort of changed the culture of filmmaking in that part of the world. Um, but, and she's, she's badass, but she's very, very physical. And one of her um, kind of protégés I had the good chance to um, work with for about a year. And uh, he and I just, I just picked his brains and we worked a lot on the floor. And um, I've, I've... Yeah, I, I kind of, I'd been doing a lot of physical work. Mm-hmm. Um, so putting whatever, whatever we're working on dramatically into a physical task 
and then introducing text as opposed to talking it out. Anyway, oh my God, I could talk about this shit forever. So I'm no, just going to stop. But I he no, was, I um, <laughs> but he, um, yeah, his, his, his work, which comes from Fatima, was a revelation in this idea that, so if you take Mamet's ideas, which are all about um, pursuit of objective mm-hmm. and, it, you know, and the purity of that and that all you need to do is stand up straight, speak clearly and pursue an objective and you will create the illusion of character, all that stuff. Yeah. Which I think is just beautiful. It's so clear. Um, but then again, it has all its faults, you know, because to get that cooking and make the a whole project work and if you're working with actors who don't really, they don't, that doesn't jive with them, you're just going to get into a battle of, it's like, it's like um, getting into an argument about whether or not God exists. It's just like, it's just not going to go anywhere. If you believe this and I believe that all we're going to be doing is sitting here trying to convince the other person to change their mind. And that's um, not going to happen. So I found that the only way to get someone to pursue the objective that the scene is requiring is by putting them in a physical space and a task that aligns with that objective and getting them to do it physically and then putting the text in and then you've already got all this stuff happening where their attention is on the other person and they're physically engaged and they're doing all the stuff that the scene requires. so that's, I mean, that's so, so, and that's what Fatima does. She, she gets them into this heightened physical space. Um, you know, her work is so intensely physical. Um, it's almost like she exhausts people to such a point that they can't fight her. They can't fight the script. They can't fight themselves. They can't fight yeah. the story. They just have to surrender. And that's the point at which she gets them kind of cooking. And yeah. so... But then I found I don't want to do that either. Like it's it it's because you also have to have them then working from this heightened mm. physical space all the time, which is which then doesn't also allow for this thing of just pursuing an objective. And I had a really interesting um, conversation with this uh, f- friend of mine who mm-hmm. came from her school. Um, uh, and talking about how you, that one of the things that's maybe missing in that work is um, really conflict resolution. So Nico will say that drama is not about making conflict, it's about resolving it. So you you go into each scene to resolve conflict, not to make it. And that I think, and that in that, in essence, sounds a bit, kind of whatever but um how do you work for the love of a scene you always want to be Mm -hmm. working for the love of something you always want to be working to resolve it working for the love of it Mm. um working for the love that's what we say we always say you know working for the love um so that it's not a destructive process because it shouldn't destroy you it should not destroy you ever 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 so how do you 
yeah so anyway so but i find that the that that there's there's a there's a code i haven't cracked yet yeah not that i expect to have cracked it but yeah i think that's um, all part of in in all of that yeah and each project um each project uh that i go into as a dramaturg um i'm always surprised by what i thought it was going to be and what it ends up being uh and some and um, I'm trying to get better at um, be, having more ease with it mm-hmm. so that it doesn't have to be this way to work, <laughs> that there's a lot of just trying to make more space in the room and, be, and, and, and practice what I preach, which is... Um, how can you know this thing of how can you um, know what needs to get done mm. and facilitate? Well, see, even that, like I know what needs to get done. You have an idea of what needs to get done and we all start communicating and we navigate our way towards what we think that thing is, yeah. but it's never going to be what you think it is. Yeah. And staying open to that and going and not being scared of, um, having to let go of an idea of something. So yeah. I, we've talked a lot about this, this idea of stepping into yeah. the room with a precon- preconceived idea and um, and if, if that preconceived idea is not serving yeah. you, even if you know it's not serving you, how hard it is to let that go. Yeah, I, that's so interesting because, yeah, I mean, when I was thinking back to those, really like two years that I worked with you in class, I don't know, it's, Seems like longer, but there we go. Um, but I remember, um, yeah, that whole idea of, you know, yeah, having a scene and then having, like, reading it and going, yeah, I'm going to play it this way because this is the idea. And then, you know, doing it and then not being able to change that because you're just so convinced that this is the only way the scene can be. Um, and that's always something that's been fascinating for me that I'm still figuring out. And I figured out with you is like, yeah, finding that ground of um, doing the script analysis, knowing the A, Bs, and Cs, but then being when it's to like put the scene up or you know be in a set or whatever, and then being at that place of it's in you, you know what's going on, but then you can like play with it or and you can let it go and can be open to direction. I just think that's very fascinating because that place is scary. <laughs> I think that's mm. why a lot of people avoid it. Because it's not, it's scary. Like, it's, the, it's literally the unknown, like, you know. Um, so I always think that's very fascinating and something I'm always asking myself now. So thank you. Okay, so let's, I'm just going to ask you some random questions um, mm-hmm. and let's see where they go. So what is something that you're proud of? Oh, God. Um, actually, I'm, I'm very proud of my garden at the moment. Oh, I love that. I had a really beautiful garden. <laughs> I love that. What are you gardening? What's going on? Oh, just I've got heaps of vegetables and I've got a lemon tree and um, just a big garden. I planted it all. <laughs> so beautiful. Yeah. I feel like everyone is gardening now, though, because COVID. I feel like that's a thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Have yeah. you started baking? I've been doing it for yet? years. <laughs> no, I haven't done banana bread. Okay. No. 
Well, once you've done <laughs> that, you've officially, um, everyone's baking good. I'm, I'm officially trending. Yeah. yeah, you're officially trending. Yeah, so. <laughs> um, what is the last film or TV show you watched that stuck with you? Uh, Succession. Okay. Because I like that kind of story about, um, you know, big media moguls and their families and who's going to take over um, and the patriarch, the, the big, big tyrannical patriarch. I like those kinds of stories. Oh, good to know. Uh, describe yourself in three words. Oh my God, Sarah. <laughs> there you go. That's four words. <laughs> Take the first three of that. <laughs> oh my god! It's <laughs> so funny because you're not the first person when I've asked these questions that they've got. Oh my god! Like I didn't know this is what I was signing up for, and I'm like, yeah, hi, welcome. What's the most spontaneous thing you've ever done? Oh, Sarah, I don't know. I don't haven't. Maybe I'm not spontaneous. <laughs> spontaneous. That next. Is there a memorable like on set experience that you've had that comes to mind that's kind of that either I don't know like an oh wow like that's that's fulfilling or look on on this on this job up at Cape Tribulation I found um on lunacy mm -hmm. I there was a whole thing where Oh, just so much of that was incredible. But the way that the director would just let takes roll and roll and roll and roll and roll. Um, mm -hmm. And he wasn't afraid of just waiting to see what happened next. And at one point, the actors had to go down into this, um, this sort of bathroom and then this thing happened. And at one point, the act, one of the actors went in there um, and there was a bird in there and they just had to deal with this bird flying around the room. And it was so oh. perfect for the character and so perfect for the story. It was like this magical moment. And just at the right moment, the bird decided to fly out of the room. And it was just like this. Uh, anyway, sounds stupid, but it was, it was no, just a I really nice that. magical moment, which I think could only ha have occurred because... He was able to um, constantly allow whatever was happening to happen, and he was a yeah. bit of a master at capturing it. Just, I, I think that. that's really cool. It was just really cool. It was a bit like, you know, I was jumping up and down, kind of clapping inside. <laughs> I was like, wee! <laughs> it was such a small, such a small moment in twenty something years, but I, I, I just yeah. love. It was so. It was just magical. Anyway, I thought it was beautiful. Hi. So that is actually the end of the podcast with Nadia Townsend. Uh, when we were recording this by Zoom, uh, I kind of forgot to do a proper thanks for coming on the Coffee Chat podcast because after this, we kind of off, did an off tangent and chatted. So this is the end. Um, and yeah, thank you, Nadia, for uh, taking the time to chat with me. And thank you for listening to this podcast.
Thanks for listening to the Coffee Chat Podcast. Feel free to follow on Instagram at coffeechat.podcast and share the love. You're awesome, and I hope you have a great day, night, or afternoon, wherever you are, and I'll see you in the next episode.